You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Colton Way. Now here is the host, Jomi Dantomat. Thank you so much to our guest announcer today, six-year-old Colton Way of North Carolina. Thanks also to his mom, Bridget, for sending that to us. Great to have you both on board. As Colton said, my name is Jeremy Dontremont, and this is Lighthearted. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is June 5th. 2022, and this is episode 176 of Lighthearted. Shortly, we will be listening to two interviews about Great Lakes Lighthouses, Solshua Point in Michigan, and the Duluth South Breakwater Inner Light in Minnesota. I visited both of them a few weeks ago during a visit out there. So, Michelle, uh, what's new with you? Not a whole lot is new with me. We've just started our tours for the season, and I'm winding down the school year. We get out in just a couple of weeks just busy i guess busy time of year i think for a lot of people but uh as you mentioned we've just been starting our tours at portsmouth harbor light uh by the time people hear this the tours will be in full swing we also have two sunset lighthouse cruises from rye new hampshire coming up very soon june 17th and june 24th people can read about all that at portsmouthharborlighthouse.org you and i will be there a lot this season giving tours that's always fun yes it is i can't wait So, Michelle, has anything interesting happened on this date in Lighthouse history? Well, yes, it has, Jeremy. On June 5th, 1999, the initial lift of the 4,830-ton Cape Hatteras Lighthouse in North Carolina was made, as the 200-foot-tall lighthouse tower was being moved to a new, safer location. The lighthouse was moved 2,900 feet from the spot on which it had stood since 1870. Yeah, that was a huge event in modern lighthouse history. When it was completed in 1870, Cape Hatteras Lighthouse was 1,500 feet from the ocean. By 1970, the gradual westward migration of the Outer Banks left the lighthouse just 120 feet from the ocean's edge. Since the 1930s, efforts have been made to protect the lighthouse from the encroaching sea. The decision to relocate the tower was based on the best science and engineering information available. International Chimney Corporation of Buffalo, New York, conducted the project, assisted by expert house movers of Maryland. The lighthouse was lifted off its foundation, transferred to a transport system, and moved along a prepared route and installed on a new foundation. The move took a little over a month. Cape Hatteras Lighthouse continues to serve as both an active aid to navigation and a major tourist attraction, and it's believed that the lighthouse shouldn't be threatened by the ocean for another 100 years. Michelle, please help me tell our listeners about Solshua Lighthouse in Michigan and our first guest, Marilyn Fisher. Sure, Jeremy. Located at the northwest corner of Lake Michigan, Solchua Bay got its name for the French phrase meaning only choice. The bay was a popular place of refuge for early French traders in the area. Maritime traffic in the area was heavy by the 1880s, but there were no lighthouses in a 100-mile stretch of the south shore of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
A temporary light was established in 1892. A 79-foot-tall brick lighthouse with a fixed third-order Fresnel lens began service along with a steam-operated diaphone fog signal in 1895. The first keeper was Joseph Fountain, a Native American who had been the keeper at Beaver Island Harbor Lighthouse. The station's last keepers left in 1972 when the light was automated. The Gulliver Historical Society, founded in 1987, opened its first museum in the Fog Signal Building in 1989. Today, the light station is operated by the Gulliver Historical Society in cooperation with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, Parks and Recreation Division. It's open to the public with tours available in season, Memorial Day weekend to the end of September. Marilyn Fisher was instrumental in the founding of the Gulliver Historical Society, and she's been the society's president for 34 years. She's also a former director of the Michigan Lighthouse Alliance and Schoolcraft County historian and genealogist. Under Marilyn's leadership, every building in the Salchois Point Lighthouse Park has been restored. She's the author of 12 books, including a continuing series beginning with Spirits at Salchois Point, True Lighthouse Stories. I spent a week in late April visiting lighthouses on the Great Lakes with my friend Nick Korstad, who owns the Big Bay Point Lighthouse B&B in Michigan's Upper Peninsula on Lake Superior. Marilyn Fisher was a very gracious host when we visited Solchois Light Station and we sat down for a conversation in the former keeper's house. Let's listen to that conversation now. I'm here at the Solshua Lighthouse, and I'm going to ask for the proper pronunciation in a moment here because uh, I've heard it, heard a few different variations on that. But I'm here with Marilyn Fisher, uh, and it's she just showed us around. Uh, Nick Korstad, who I'm traveling with here, showed us around the the uh, keeper's house. We went up in the tower. It's gorgeous here. It's a fascinating museum you have here. There's so many interesting artifacts, both original from the lighthouse and uh, all kinds of uh, interesting stuff here. So. I recommend this to people very strongly. But anyway, I'm here with Marilyn, who is the uh, president of the Gulliver Historical Society, been involved with the Society and the Lighthouse for, is it 34, 34 years, years, Marilyn? Yep. Uh-huh. So you know this Lighthouse about as well as anybody, I'd, I'd say. I but, headed up the restoration here, uh-huh. and we have a hardworking group who yeah. who did all of the work. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. yeah takes a, a, a group of, a good group of people to do this kind of thing. So how did you personally first get involved with the, uh, the, the lighthouse and you were the founder of the historical society? I was the founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started in 1985 to 86 and I put the lighthouse on the National Register and the Michigan State Historic Registry. Mm-hmm. And I I had been here as a little girl, four years old, and Lightkeeper Rosie would take my hand, walk me around the lighthouse, and tell me all about the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that in my later years of living here that I would be instrumental in taking care of the light. So I encourage exposing our children to our history because they're our future keepers. I couldn't agree more with you. Well, it's great you had that early experience and then you end up getting so so involved with it. But um, back to the pronunciation, say, please say uh, the name of the, the places. Well, as you the local it. people mm-hmm. have changed the name to Sis Schwa. Right. 
And I go by the original French pronunciation, which is cell, S-C-L, schwa, which means single choice or only choice. Right, right. And why was it named that? Where did that come from? There were French explorers, fishermen, Mm -hmm. coming down Lake Michigan, going towards Green Bay. They hit a huge storm out from here. And their only choice or single choice of refuge Mm -hmm. was to come into this bay. They came into the bay, they found abundance of fish, they found a nice place to live. Mm -hmm. Beautiful Native American women were here on this point and they decided to stay and they named the bay Selshwa Mm -hmm. because it was their single choice. Right, okay. And skipping ahead a little bit, why? Uh, what were the reasons for the lighthouse being established here on this point in the 1890s? Uh, there were no lighthouses within a hundred mile distance, mm-hmm. and um, they needed something to stop shipwrecks. We do have 15 to 16 shipwrecks that we know of right off of this point. There is a 300 foot shoal limestone mm-hmm. shoal leading off of the point and we're three miles down on the point off the mainland so they needed something to stop the shipwreck so yeah. uh, that's why we're here yeah and uh nick and i were just up in the tower and we're just trying to figure something out it's a flashing light now you've got a modern led light up there now this was a third order fresnel lens is that originally right? we had a uh fixed third order fixed for, for now yeah and um, that came out in 1972. Coast Guard took it up to Sault Ste. Marie uh, Coast Guard Station. And from there, the commander retired. And when he retired in 72, mm-hmm. our lens went with him, we believe. And it's been lost ever since. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, I was trying to figure it out because it's a flashing light now, but I couldn't figure out if the, if the Fresnel, if Fresnel couldn't have been a flashing or rotating light because there's no sign. No, it was a fixed light. Yeah. And then they replaced it with an mm-hmm. airport beacon lens, right. which shined 16 miles out over yeah. the surface of the water. Yeah. And just recently, five or six years ago, they put a small LED. Yeah. We are a continuing working lighthouse. Sure because we have Port Inland right next door to us on the other side of the bay, Mm -hmm. and we have ships coming and going all year long. Yeah, so the Aero Beacon you mentioned is a a DCB-36, I think. Is that the one that's in the the base of the lighthouse? that's taken out. Yeah, and you still have it here, which is nice. So uh, it's a big house, it's a beautiful house. How many keepers were assigned to this station? Uh, Originally, only seven light keepers right but i mean at one time how many how many lived here at one time there were always three men working here Mm -hmm. at the same time the head light keeper the first assistant and second assistant Mm -hmm. and the assistants had to know mechanically wise how to run the fog signal building and um, we have a separate fog signal building none of the equipment was left in there mm-hmm. when the coast guard abandoned our light they were told to take all the equipment out by boat and dump it over the side into lake oh, michigan wow. wow 
So, uh, so talking about the the keepers a little bit more, you mentioned a couple of stories as we were stories as we were walking around here. But what really stands out for you about life here? Uh, maybe uh, anything about life in general, or any specific stories about the, the keepers here? Uh, people believe it. The lighthouse is a romantic um, part of history, but these men that worked here were hard-working men. They were isolated from the rest of the world. Their only contact was the light tenders that came in maybe once a month to bring supplies into them. The women here had to wash clothes outside. The children had to walk miles to the local school. There, there were no roads here. There were only pathways mm -hmm. that the Indians had previously made. And we did have an Indian village here on the point. Mm -hmm. So um, they mingled with the Indians. They picked berries. They caught fish. They did not have electricity. Mm -hmm. It was just a hard life yeah. for all of them. And getting along with each other was the main problem. Okay, well, I want to get back to that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think of these, these early keepers, especially uh, on the Great Lakes and on the West Coast, as pioneers in these places. I mean, uh, it's, still, it's still fairly isolated, but back then it had to be so, so isolated. So we talk about keepers uh, getting along or not getting along. Is there anything uh, especially to do with that that you're thinking of? Or? Lightkeeper Blanchard, his wife, Amanda, she loved to go pick berries and make homemade pies. Mm -hmm. And the pantry window off of the front kitchen, she would open the window, set the pies on the ledge to cool off. Well. Assistant keeper Manasso's dog also liked pies, and he came and took Amanda's pies, oh, no. ate them, and there was a big squabble between lightkeeper Blanchard and Manasso's because that was Blanchard's pies. Yeah. And Manasso's don't, don't, dog ate them all. Don't touch my pies. I can understand right. him being pretty angry about that. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of a story of the Lighthouse in Maine. Uh, Connie Small, somebody I knew who lived to be 103, wrote a book called The Lighthouse Keeper's Wife. There was a cow on one of the islands they lived at, and the cow, the w kitchen window was open. She had a, uh, I think it was a blueberry pie, cooling on the, the sill by the by the kitchen sink, and the cow was able to stick its head into the <laughs> kitchen window and eat the pie. It had pie, blueberry all over its face. Yeah, that was a pretty funny picture. <laughs> Um, I, I saw something online that referred to uh, kind of uh, beachcombing around here. Is there anything, what would people be apt to find if they did that? If you walked around the shoreline of the point, part of it is sand, but the majority of it is limestone shoal. Mm -hmm. uh, at one time it was all underwater here, and there are fossils galore you're not allowed to bring the fossils off the beach. Mm -hmm. They belong to the local homeowners, property owners, or the state of Michigan. Um, but um, we have a huge fossil by the front door of the gift shop that some young boys brought up. Wow. It's about maybe three foot, four foot high, and it has a full skeleton of a fish wow. in it. And uh, if you're fossil hunters, this is the place to come. Wow. So 
the light station here is open to the public, right? In yes. season, was it sometime in May to October? Memorial Day mm-hmm. weekend, the yeah. Friday of Memorial Day weekend through the end of September. Mm-hmm. And we're open seven days a week from 10 in the morning until six at night. Wow. And people get to climb the tower as well as go yes, through the house. Yes, we do right? charge an admission because we have to cover our uh, expenses and all of our bills and everything mm-hmm. that we sure. have here. And it's $6 per adult, $3 per child, 16 and down, and babies are free. Mm-hmm. That is more than reasonable. There aren't right. too many things you can do for that price these days, and this is a great experience for families. So how many steps on the tower? We have 96 steps, mm-hmm. and uh, they're circular, they're iron. You can see through the steps. A lot of people get dizzy going yeah. up or coming down from them. Yeah. But when you get to the top, there is a spectacular view of Lake Michigan. Yeah. Uh, some people say they can see the Mackinac Bridge, which is some 60-some miles away. Yeah. We just let them believe they can yeah, see it. Yeah, I don't think that's physically possible. No, it's not. <laughs> but they will argue with you that they saw the Mackinac Bridge up there. Right. Well, the the view up there is spectacular. It's not the, the best day weather-wise today. It's not that clear, but it was still gorgeous up there. Right. Let's get into a, a subject that I know is near and dear to you. And uh, one of the things this light station is known for is its ghost stories, uh, as quite a few lighthouses are. are but this one may be more than, <laughs> than a lot of other ones. Uh, you've written uh, a bunch of books on the subject, including your most recent one, I believe uh, spirits at Silchua Point, yep. um, but you've had some some early one and spirits two spirits and three. three. That's actually yeah. like a trilogy. Um, so, um, and uh, you must sell those books in the shop here, right? We sell the books, and I have given all the rights to the historical society as fundraiser to. Uh, keep and maintain the lighthouse Mm -hmm. and what it is is it's documenting the actual things that have happened here yeah we are known as the most haunted lighthouse on the Great Lakes and I can verify Mm -hmm. we have five spirits in the house Mm -hmm. and I have had experience with all five okay I was gonna I I knew the answer to this before I was gonna ask but I was gonna ask you if you believe the place is haunted obviously um, and because you've experienced it, so there's no de- denying it. Right. Uh, and uh, maybe you could say a little bit about your personal experiences. Well, we have Captain Joseph Willie Townsend as our main guy. He died here in an upstairs bedroom. He was embalmed in the basement and mm-hmm. laid out in a rough sawn cedar casket. They had to hold him uh, for an extended period of time for his daughter's who are married to lightkeepers up in Marquette to come down by railroad. That was the only form of transportation back in 1910. So they came, they put him in a boat after a service here in the light mm-hmm. and took him to Manistique and he was buried in Lakeview Cemetery there. Uh, he was a cigar smoking captain his wife Ruth would not allow him to smoke in the house we have cigar smoke smelled throughout the house at least once a week by visitors or ourselves our tour guides 
and we believe Ruth would not let him smoke in the house. He had to go outside. Mm-hmm. And now when we smell cigar smoke in the house, he's showing her he can smoke anywhere, anytime uh-huh. he pleases. Yeah, so that's heaven for him, maybe. Yes. We yeah. also have ladies' hair lifted up in the back. We have touching of the shoulder, of the arm. Uh, his wife, Ruth, is with him. I spoke to a uh, psychic medium once for mm-hmm. over an hour and talked to him, and he said his Ruth, his wife, Ruth, is here with him. Mm-hmm. And um, also his little granddaughter, we call her baby Dorothy. She came occasionally to visit grandpa when he was a light keeper here. Mm-hmm. And she has been seen outside, inside. She does amusing little things. I interviewed her when she was 85 years old. Uh-huh. And uh, she said that she was here she explained the whole ceremony of the funeral she remembered it extensively and Mm -hmm. she loved her grandpa dearly Mm -hmm. we also have amanda blanchard who lived here for 40 years that was our longest living light keepers here william blanchard and amanda the house is set up as amanda would have lived here her granddaughter, who was born and raised here, is one of our members. She's passed now. But she explained to us how Grandma had the house set up. So we have shown the house the way Amanda would have lived here. She yeah. was also midwife. The upstairs bathroom, what it is now, was a birthing room. And Amanda helped deliver over 100 babies out of that little room upstairs. Amanda is seen looking out of that window all the time. We have pictures of her from outside, people looking up, taking pictures in there. She is in the window. The fifth ghost, I call them spirits, is Augustus Pond, the murder at South Schwab Point. Mm-hmm. I've written a book about it, and we do sell it out of the uh, gift shop here. Yeah. The murder happened in 1859, and he's the man who killed Isaac Blanchard, who was a bully. Um, because of that murder trial, in the whole United States, there is a law where a man can defend his home and his castle. It's called the Castle Doctrine. Mm-hmm. That all happened here on South Schwa Point. And we have had a visit from Augustus Pond. And I have a picture of him up in the tower. Actually, he's been sighted four times with pictures up in the tower. And I believe he's showing himself to say, thank you for showing I was innocent. Mm -hmm. All of these people are here because they love the lighthouse so much they don't want to leave. Nothing bad happens here. You don't need to be afraid to come and visit us. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, anybody who knows me and people who listen to this podcast regularly know that I, I have an open mind about these things. I've had experiences and I... I know plenty of people who have people I know are not crazy, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so I, I totally uh, have an open mind for these things. 
So, and uh, you mentioned pictures of the woman looking out the window. Any, I, I actually, a uh, little while ago, before we started the interview, a woman, I think she's a volunteer for you, is her name yes. Christy? Christy, is that right? Christina. Christina, I was, I almost had it. Christina was showing us a, a picture she just took, like yesterday. Yes. In this room uh, behind me here. It was her birthday yesterday, so she came up, she wanted to do a ghost tour uh-huh. for her birthday. Okay. And she got a picture, uh, sort of pointing at a. There's like a. Is it a uniform jacket that's hanging in there? A uniform jacket and a uh, display uh, of our lighthouse. It's mm-hmm. a miniature model of our lighthouse in a glass case. Mm-hmm. And she got some interesting. And with the the jacket being in focus, right? It's like it looks like right next to it. She got like a white uh, something. This is a picture of Amanda looking out of the window. Oh, wow. Marilyn is, obviously our listeners can't see this, but Marilyn's showing me a picture that sure looks like a, looks, I'd say looks like a ghostly image of a woman looking out the window. Uh, that's pretty fascinating. And this mm-hmm. is Augustus Pond on the top of the tower. Oh, wow. Those are, those are great pictures. Are these available online anywhere for people to see? Mm, or? Not really. Yeah. We don't want to scare people. Okay. All right. Well. People have to people have to come here to to see those. Yeah. Do you have any uh, ghost tour, ghost hunt, or anything like that type of uh, events here for we people? We have not, and um, we've been asked regularly. I would say at least once a month we get three requests to do investigations. Investigations. We have so many uh, things in our lighthouse that are unreplaceable. Mm-hmm. And if they were to disappear, it would be terrible. So we're not opening the house for ghost tours at night. I can completely understand that. I think you're, it's probably a wise, wise decision. Would you like to hear a story of something that happened just last fall? Absolutely. Okay. Of course. Uh, we had a family of five come to visit. Mm-hmm. And it was near closing time. We close at 6, and they went up the tower at about 5.30, and I told them we close at 6. Well, I hear them coming down, and into the parlor walks the husband and the three children, but no wife. Mm-hmm. And I said to the man, where's your wife? And he looks around, and he says, uh, uh, she was right behind us. Kids, where's mama? And they're looking around and they're going, Mama, Mama, where's Mama? Well, we're waiting and we're waiting and I'm watching the clock and it's now a quarter after six and in comes the mother. Mm -hmm. And she's just all disheveled and everything and she looks at the picture on the wall of Captain Townsend and she says, Your ghost just saved my life! And I said, What? Your ghost just saved me from falling. I said, what happened? Well, I was coming down the tower steps. I got cold, chills. Uh, I started to get dizzy. I felt like I was falling forward, and I felt strong hands grab me by the waist, pull me backward, and set me down on the steps. I turned around to look behind me to thank the person who saved me from falling, and there was nobody there. That's why I think your ghost saved me from falling. So I said to the lady, you wouldn't have any proof of what just happened, would you? 
she raised her t-shirt up and she had five red finger marks on both sides of her waist where someone or something grabbed her and saved her. Wow, that's quite a story. And it's a good kind of ghost to have. Yes, he has <laughs> yeah. quite a few times saved people from falling in our tower. Really? Really? Or they, they go through cold spots or mm-hmm. they smell cigar smoke. Okay. And yeah. even baby Dorothy has been in the tower and her shadow has been on the wall. Hmm. Wow. So I hate to, to uh, move on from that subject. It's so, so fascinating. But um, just uh, maybe a, l- a little more on the practical side, the Gulliver Historical Society, uh, which you're founder and president of, basically takes care of this whole property, right? Right. So uh, what? Uh, other than admissions here, uh, what are some of the, the things that the society does to, uh, to get the funds to, to take care of this place? Well, we do have a raffle mm-hmm. every year. Usually we have a raffle with donated items, and that's a, a big fundraiser. Yeah. We have Haunted Lighthouse only once a year on going on Halloween. And we have uh, the senior class at the high school are all, all ghosts and goblins, and they're in costume. If you were to go into the basement right now of the lighthouse, it is set up for haunted lighthouse. Okay. And we have coffins and uh-huh. skeletons and laboratories with bubblers and everything down there. Yeah. Uh, that is a big fundraiser, I'll and bet. people from the whole Upper Peninsula come here. Mm-hmm. And some people will go through four and five times and pay to go through four uh-huh. and five times. Yeah. We also have Christmas at the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus comes on our Doyle Township fire truck and he gives out uh, bags of goodies to all the good little children. Mm-hmm. We usually have 150 kids mm-hmm. show up with mom and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles. And uh, we also used to have a uh, potluck picnic at the end of the season with entertainment, but Manistique had a car show going on mm-hmm. at the same time uh, recently, and so we've had to give that up because with men, cars are more important <laughs> than a lighthouse for well, the ladies. Some men, not, not <laughs> lighthouses are more important than cars for me, but maybe I'm different from. So most we people. do go by donations, and uh, a lot of people give us. A lot more money than what their tour ticket is for. Sure, sure. So uh, the place is really well kept, uh, and uh, you've got some great exhibits and everything. The tower looks really nice inside and out. But are there any projects you have kind of planned at this point? Any restoration projects going on? Well, we're looking for a handicap ramp at our research library. We did have a grant for, uh, well, I've written 30 grants and we've received 29 of them. Wow. And um, those are big matching grants. The largest one we had was $72,000 and we had to match 72,000. Restoration around here is not cheap. And if someone squabbles about the price of a ticket, we just tell them, how much it costs to paint the lighthouse each time. And they gasp, I'm sure. Yes. They, how much does it cost to paint the lighthouse? Well, it was $72,000. That was, that was this, okay, yeah, that was that. that yeah. last time. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it is expensive, and we are need of a painting of our tower again. Mm-hmm. So that is very important. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So do you have volunteers, docents that are here in the summer? We're all volunteer, mm-hmm. and this year after uh, the COVID, we are desperate for volunteers this year. We've had uh, three or four pass away Mm-hmm. within the past year yeah. and we are going to have an advertisement in the paper mm-hmm. asking for local people to volunteer this yeah. is the first year in 32 years we've ever had to advertise for volunteers mm-hmm. well it's a problem that's happening in a lot of places it's not unusual it's happening with the organization i'm involved with back in portsmouth new hampshire uh we've we uh, sadly lost a couple of our volunteers in the last couple of years too and uh it's a it's a struggle. Uh, we need that's why, like you said before, we need to interest more young people right. in, in this whole thing. Some of the first volunteers that we started out 32 years ago are no longer with right. us. Yeah. So um, we need youth is what we need to yeah. volunteer. Uh, we need future light keepers. There's absolutely no. I couldn't agree with you more about that. So I have one final question for you, Marilyn. It's fun talking with you. We could talk for hours, but I, I need to uh, kind of wind down right now by asking you a final question for bonus points, okay? Uh, and the question is, what is your personal favorite thing about your involvement with the Solchois Light Station? I think it is talking to the public. We talk to and see people from all over the world. Uh, when we have lighthouse people come to our light, they are just thrilled after they tour the place. And it just gives me a warm feeling inside that I am so proud of what our community has to show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm just thankful that I have been able to be involved with it. And we have wonderful people to work with here, mm-hmm. too. Well, it shows. Uh, you, you know, I love hearing you talk about it. It's obvious that you love this place so much and you put so much of yourself into it. My and, family, um, they're all behind this, too. Mm-hmm. They have been from the very start. Yeah. Whether they like it or not, they're involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure they like it. <laughs> So thank you so much, Marilyn. This is uh, this is great. I love this this visit, uh, and uh, you know I've not been in this part of the world before. I'm a New England guy, and I that's and seen much of the the Great Lakes really, and um, seeing some fantastic stuff. And this is just a great great light station that I recommend that. This that is heaven visit. up here in the UP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to go to heaven, come to the UP. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Marilyn. Okay, thank you. You can learn more at greatlakeslighthouse.com and also on the Selshwa Lighthouse Facebook page. If you live in the area, the Historical Society is looking for volunteer tour guides for the 2022 season. Next, we're going to listen to an interview about a lighthouse in Duluth, Minnesota on Lake Superior. Please help me introduce our next guest, Michelle. Sure, Jeremy. Duluth South Breakwater Inner Lighthouse stands near a lift bridge on the South Breakwater of the Duluth Ship Canal. It forms a range with the Duluth South Breakwater Outer Light to guide ships into the canal from Lake Superior. 
The current 67-foot-tall skeletal cast-iron tower began service in 1901. In 1995, the light's old Fresnel lens was put on display at the Lake Superior Maritime Visitor Center in Duluth. The tower has a different look than when it was first built. It was originally white with a black lantern, now it's black with a white lantern. The light remains an active aid to navigation. In 2008, the property was sold by the federal government through an online auction to a pair of Duluth residents, Steve Sola and Matt Camp. Steve grew up in the Park Point section of Duluth, and his family owns the South Pier Inn, just a few hundred feet from the lighthouse. I had the pleasure of visiting Steve Sola in Duluth with my friend Nick Korstad in late April. We sat and talked with Steve at the South Pier Inn, and then he gave us a tour of the lighthouse on a very windy day with big waves on Lake Superior, people surfing on the waves, which was pretty interesting to see. Let's listen to my conversation with Steve Sola now. I am speaking with Steve Sola, who is the owner of the Duluth South Breakwater Inner Light. I think I got that correct. Okay. And we're actually uh, here at the South Pier Inn. And uh, Steve is also the owner of the inn, uh, which I believe was established by your family. Do I have that that correct? Exactly. 20 years ago um, next month. Okay. Built it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with me, Steve. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, thank you for hosting me here, I should say, because, we're, of course, we're here uh, at the inn, and we're within a few hundred feet of the lighthouse. And I'm excited about the idea of going over to the lighthouse as soon as we uh, finish up with this. But first of all, uh, maybe maybe a little bit more about your family's history here. Uh, I believe you. this is uh, where you're from, and uh, sure. your family apparently has a, a long history in this little yeah. part of uh, Duluth here. <laughs> Yeah, we're basically on an, an island. It's the longest freshwater sandbar in the world, but it's technically an island. And my family would be considered fourth generation down here. My grandparents were down here in the 30s. My dad and mom uh, got married down here in the 50s. And I was born in 1962, and my kids are, are still down here to this day. Roughly 20 years ago, we bought this property near the uh, near the South Pier Lighthouse and built the South Pier Inn Hotel, and, and that's run by my dad, my brother, and myself, my dad's wife. Yeah, and we're also almost in the shadow of the lift bridge here, which is a pretty interesting structure in itself. Yeah, it's definitely a case of location, location. There were several lighthouses right right around us here. What was so important about, about the Port of Duluth and Superior, just across in, in Wisconsin? What's the reason for all these lighthouses around here? Well... The lighthouse I owned was actually built in 1902, Mm -hmm. and it was built shortly before the bridge to the island was built. And its primary reason for building is at that turn of the century, around late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, iron ore was a big export from this area along with the lumber. And when the ships would come in, there was two small lighthouses out in Lake Superior and when they would come in, they couldn't get a direct, always a straight shot into the, the canal. There were some lights in the background that would kind of disturb if they were coming in perpendicular to the shoreline. So in 1902, they constructed the South Pier Lighthouse, and basically it's a range light. And if you're not familiar with that, it just means it's taller than the light out in the lake. And similar to landing an airplane, when you line up the right lights going the right direction, you're going to get a straight shot in through the canal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the main reason for the lighthouse. Um, there's a couple other reasons to it, how it kind of guided ships once they got into the canal. But mm-hmm. uh, approximately three years later, they built the bridge to the island, 
and the lighthouse is roughly 200 feet from that bridge. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, was there a keeper's house for this lighthouse? Uh, there was a, a small keeper's house, but the Coast Guard itself owned some property with a small house across from the hotel. And they maintained the three lighthouses you know, in this area, mm-hmm. and then one on the, there was actually two down at the southern end of the island. Mm-hmm. And they ran them out of that uh, that Coast Guard facility. Yeah. Okay. So there's no uh, is there a keeper's house standing related to this now or not? Uh, right now, no. 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 Okay. And in the in one other little piece of trivia, between the two lighthouses, the lower light and then the, the range light, there was actually a tunnel that was built inside the pier. Oh. And they would get out to that far lighthouse by mm-hmm. laying on a little cart on wheels, in in a dark tunnel holy cow to avoid the storms because the piers are you know 14 feet off the water and the and the waves just crash right over those piers so. wow that's incredible yeah speaking of the waves crashing over the piers uh my friend nick Korstad and i are here today on a day when we're thinking maybe 10 foot waves uh out here today maybe yeah probably eight to ten eight foot to just 10. kind of a common with the northeast yeah coming in you know, um, uh, this, is, uh, this is yesterday and today. It's my first time ever seeing Lake Superior, and it's be, being a you know an Atlantic Coast guy. It's mm-hmm. it's absolutely incredible. I've seen a little bit of the Great Lakes before, but nothing like this. And uh, you know, it looks it certainly looks like an ocean to me. It doesn't smell like one though. <laughs> right, yeah, right. But you said you've seen uh, possibly thirty foot waves. I it not exactly thirty, but the way the the canal is built can kind of push a wave close mm-hmm. to thirty feet high. Right. Technically, it's not a 30-foot wave. I think the largest wave on Lake Superior was maybe hair over 30 feet that's been recorded. But yeah. but to hit the actual lift bridge, long story short, they would be approximately 30 feet high, and they have hit the bridge occasionally. Yeah, and you have a video of that, I, I hear? Yeah, I have a, on one of the YouTube channels, there is a... There's a video of that. So. Would it, would, if people search for your name on YouTube, would they find I that? I think or? if you put under uh, South Pier Lighthouse, uh, you'll see my name attached to it, Steve Sola. D- Duluth. In, in Duluth. South Pier it. Lighthouse. You can find that video yes. uh, of yeah. the, the big waves hitting the lift bridge here. I gotta, I gotta see. I haven't seen that yet. I gotta look that up and take a look at that. So I understand that you and was it a, a friend uh, named uh, Matt Kampf? Is that correct? Yeah. Bought the uh, lighthouse? We bought it together just as a. Uh, he wasn't from this area, but he moved here. He was kind of fascinated by by some of the stuff he saw in the area. Mm-hmm. He was from the East Coast, mm-hmm. familiar with lighthouses, not familiar with this one. And just as a partnership, him and I bought it. Um, I've since bought him out, and my brother is a partner with myself on the lighthouse now, mm-hmm. currently. Okay. Just to maybe touch on the history a little bit more, is there any uh, are there any interesting historical stories that you've come across related to the lighthouse itself or the keepers or is anything that, that has kind of stuck in your mind? What comes to mind is when I'm up in the lighthouse, uh, you, you can kind of feel how there might be like an impression of DNA, if you want to call it, of what what the lighthouse has seen from that position. Mm. And some, you know, it's great calm summer days, beachgoers, sailboats, you know, everybody in pleasure craft. And then there's those dark days where, um, for instance, uh, three young boys, you know, drowned by kind of playing out on the piers directly near the lighthouse and the waves crashing over the lighthouse took those three boys away, along with the Coast Guardsman that was trying to rescue them. Wow. Uh, 1967, that happened. And if you were to visit the piers now, you'll notice gates 
that they close when the storm gets uh, kicks up. We were noticing there was these people out on the breakwater today, which we're kind of surprised by. But I saw yeah, the gates were open. Those today. were put there because of the Halverson, Halverson brothers. That was their name. Um, when they passed away, they put those gates there to keep kids wow. from from climbing out there. And as a kid, of course, I was out there diving off those piers in calm weather, but never never when it was rough. But yeah, uh, there's things like that. Uh, the famous Matafa storm. I think it's around 1910. Uh, that's a storm that, you know, some guys lost their lives out on a ship that crashed into the pier, kind of T-boned one of the lighthouses out at the end, the North Pier. Uh, they perished in the cold weather. And because of that storm, there was a lot of, uh, I don't know what you want to describe it, uh, there was a movement to build other lighthouses in the area to protect what happened with some of the ships in that bad storm. So mm-hmm. uh, my lighthouse in 1902, you know, being earlier in that storm, saw that and many many other events that could go on and on mm-hmm. might okay. be off it might have been 1905 i might have the date kind of cloudy in my head but yeah split rock lighthouse that's the reason why split rock lighthouse was built because of the ships that crashed on that shoreline same steam storm mm-hmm. I, I think it was 1905 so uh, you were mentioning before we started the uh, official interview here that you've uh, done some work on the inside of the lighthouse is that right uh very little just some cosmetic um you know, it was registered with the National Historic uh, Society. Register of historic places. Yeah, historic places. So I, I kind of just kept it to what, what I think is original. It's uh, black and white inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found some kind of unique brass uh, mullion pieces that were basically mm-hmm. point, uh, painted over. So we polished those, and they're ready to be reinstalled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably haven't seen the light of day in 100 years, you know. Wow. Um, but we're looking forward to see how those come out basically just interior the exterior is in excellent shape just mm-hmm. the way it is now it looks looks really good yeah i think uh an iron tower like this holds up better by fresh water than they do by salt water yeah i would definitely think the corrosion has got to be just yeah <laughs> i have a lot of experience with cast iron lighthouse on salt water and you got to paint them five years is a long time for a lighthouse by salt water oh, uh, sure. an iron lighthouse yeah rust spreads fast rust never sleeps so do you ever open the lighthouse for people? Many times people will ask me, and you know, it's definitely not a business. I don't charge for it, but as often as I can, I rarely say no. Uh, I've used this saying a few times, but you know, the best part about it is sharing it. And along with owning it, you're just like another, you know, another cliche is you're just taking care of it for the next guy. Yeah. Random days in the summer, if I see a family and they're they look curious about it i'll just come up to them and ask them if you want to go up in the lighthouse and oftentimes it makes their their vacation so i'm sure it does especially kids probably are pretty excited well, kids about love it, it. Um, everybody has a little different feeling about heights i'm kind of surprised how many people are you know maybe a little if the word is afraid of heights or just yeah. not sure about it but once you're up there it's quite stable and <clears throat> and safe so yeah how so tall be, is it uh roughly 70 feet just as a round number and do you know how many stairs uh, 77. Uh-huh. That's one of the most common questions that gets asked. I'm sure. So, <laughs> and then the kids start counting, but oftentimes yeah, yeah. they miscount by the time they get to the top. I know when I give lighthouse <laughs> tours at my local lighthouse, Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, if I have groups of kids there, I try not to tell them how many stairs are there are ahead of time. So if I'm at the top of the stairs, when they get up, I'll ask them, how many stairs do you think you just came up? And they usually say 200, 300. <laughs> it's actually 44. But I thought of numbering the stairs just to kind of eliminate that question. Uh, right, right. <laughs> or have put a big sign up. You've just walked up 77 stairs. Right. 
on a slightly different subject, I, I read some, when I was uh, looking online somewhere, I read that you discovered a shipwreck near here. Uh, yeah, I don't have the date in my head. It was roughly, uh, must have been close to 15 years ago. It was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, again, I've talked about the island we live on. Uh, Lake Superior on the north side of the island rarely freezes where you can actually walk out on it or skate on it. Just it's too unstable. Well, in this rare year, it froze like a sheet of glass, and I swear half of the city of Duluth was skating out on it that year. Hmm. And I'd got a call from a friend of mine that said he thought he said he thought he saw something under the ice that looked like a big pipe. And when we went down there, he called me up. I had a camera to you know, drill the hole. We lowered the camera down, and if you've ever seen those fish cameras, you're, it's pretty much a live view of mm-hmm. supposedly you're supposed to be looking at fish. And it came right down on the propeller of an unknown shipwreck. And we didn't know it was unknown to us other than it wasn't on any charts. And a group of uh, divers came up and did a survey on it. And it's to this day, it's still unknown. Uh, they actually named the wreck after a friend of mine's daughter. Her name is Sophie. So if you wanted to, to Google uh, Sophie's wreck, S-O-P-H-I-E, mm-hmm. in Duluth, you'll see that wreck. I would say uh, it's approximately three miles from the lighthouse south, parallel to Park Point, the island, in roughly, I've dove on it in the summer, I would say in 10 to 12 feet of water. I would say 500 feet offshore, maybe a little further. And what remains of it, I've done some research on it. It's probably a tug. Um, It it doesn't have a super large propeller on it, but enough where it could have been a, a tug. Part of the engine is still there. It was definitely a steam engine. Uh, the lower you know, parts of the hull are kind of kind of still there, but because of Lake Superior being so powerful at this end of it, it's hard to say if it comes and goes with the changing uh, conditions under the, under the water. But uh, it, there was a date I found in some old newspapers where they talked about uh, if a ship was at a point where it had no use anymore, they back in the day they would tow it out to the boneyard. And I've heard that that area might have other shipwrecks too, but that's the only one very close. But interesting, interesting. So you think maybe what, like early 1900s or something? Uh, like the one I think it's a shipwreck. I think if you dig into it, you'll see some pictures online. And I think they call it the Amethyst. Um, I actually thought it was, um, I think it was called the Winslow. It was another boat that had been uh, towed out there. I kind of thought it might be that one, but there's they're really there was nothing definitive about uh, mm-hmm. what they found. There were some numbers on the propeller, but they couldn't track them down to anything specific. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to date it or anything like that. Yeah, there is a, another, actually a famous shipwreck, just uh, ooh, maybe three to four blocks out from the South Pier Lighthouse and Thomas Wilson. Uh, a lot of local shipwreck divers explore that. It's an old whaleback type. That's a whole other story, but... Um, it sank in perfectly clear, uh, clear day, miscommunication with the boat exiting the harbor, and where one boat went right, the other one went left, and they both actually hit each other in broad daylight. Yeah. <laughs> this one, the Thomas Wilson, if you look on the how it's where it's basically where it lays to this day, it's right in an anchorage, and a lot of the ships that aren't able to get dockage will anchor in that area. And it's roughly 40 feet to the deck of the boat, and they say the deck of the ship is just pummeled with uh, anchor holes from what's 
<laughs> been anchored on. But a lot of divers say it's you know it's a clear clear water area. It's a nice, fairly shallow, easy dive, and it's close mm-hmm. to Duluth, and it's a very common <clears throat> shipwreck. So I just have two more questions for you. They're for bonus points. Okay. So. <laughs> bonus points. So get ready. Okay. First, as a local guy, how does it feel to be the steward of this historic lighthouse here? Uh, it, it's definitely a surreal type of a feeling when you literally have driven by or walked by or bicycled by, you know, a lighthouse for, you know, roughly at the time when I bought it, I was roughly 50 years old, and to how many times I went by and to think that eventually I would own that. And as a kid, you know, playing around it, hanging off some of the structure, I don't think if I was 10 years old and told my friend that I was going to buy that lighthouse someday, <laughs> they would have ever thought it would happen. Yeah. Um, if that answers your question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's great. It's literally at what? Maybe three, four hundred feet from where we, where we are here at the inn? Yeah, it's, um, it's extremely easy to access. Oftentimes yeah. when... You know, you're waiting for a ship to come in with, you know, the internet. You can look and see where the ships are, how fast yeah. they're going. I'll park my car and quick run over, and within a few minutes, I'm up in the lighthouse. and Watching the ship come in from yeah. the lighthouse. Yeah, it's just a... It, it doesn't a, get any better than that. It's a bird's eye view. Okay, final question. What And maybe, to some extent, you may have just answered it. And if you don't want to add anything else, that's fine. But uh, what is your favorite thing about your involvement with the lighthouse? Uh, I have a hobby of, of photography hobby. And I think my favorite thing is just being able to take photos from a location that most people, when I take a photo, whether I put it on Facebook or the internet, the first thing they say is, I don't know if you're supposed to have a drone that close to the lift bridge. (laughs) (laughs) And I never correct them. You know, a good photographer never tells where the picture's actually taken from. But I think taking pictures from there is probably the, the favorite thing. It's the easiest way to share it with people. And whether it's YouTube or Facebook, uh, those pictures are basically on every corner of the earth right now. Uh-huh. You were saying, you were saying you've had, uh, was it, I think you said something like 1.8 million hits uh, on actually the... Actually, uh, it's broke 18 million. 18 million. million. Yeah, I had to on YouTube. put the decimal point in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. of it's under the shorts category with YouTube, which is similar uh, to, if you're familiar with TikTok, you have to film in the vertical mode with an iPhone versus the landscape mode. Mm-hmm. And YouTube takes that and they put it into their version of a short. Mm-hmm. I think it's less than forty seconds. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's phenomenal. You've had got that, some, that much attention. I've got to, as soon as I get home, I'm going to look up that that video. Well, it's uh, it's great, and we got to cut this uh, short at this point because we got to go over to the lighthouse. Oh, I want to see the lighthouse. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Looking so so uh, congratulations on owning the lighthouse and doing such a great job with it. And uh, I really appreciate you spending this time with me today. And let's go see the lighthouse. Great. Thank you, Thank Steve. You, Jeremy. you can learn more about the South Pier Inn in Duluth at southpierinn.com. The inn is just steps from the lighthouse and the lift bridge. It's also just a short walk to the Lake Superior Maritime Visitor Center where there are some Fresnel Lighthouse lenses on display and all kinds of things related to Great Lakes Maritime History and the Army Corps of Engineers. I have to admit that the Duluth South Breakwater Inner Lighthouse was uh, kind of off my radar before my recent trip. 
Uh, but talking with Steve Sola and visiting the lighthouse really opened my eyes. Duluth is a very interesting city. It was uh, one of the fastest growing cities in the country after the Civil War, but it was hurt by a stock market crash. It rose in prominence again through the iron ore trade. Ore mined inland was brought to Duluth via railroads and was taken on lake freighters to Detroit and Pittsburgh, where it was used in the automotive and construction industries. Thanks to today's guests, Steve Sola and Marilyn Fisher. Thanks also to all the volunteers, members, and staff of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Be sure to check out uslhs.org to check out all the things that the Society offers, and remember that donations and memberships help to support this podcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform that allows you to post reviews. And please share word of this podcast on social media. The American journalist and commentator Bill Moyers was born on June 5, 1934, in Oklahoma. He once said, quote, Ideas are great arrows, but there has to be a bow, end quote. The next episode of Lighthearted will feature a conversation with four people about the Marquette Harbor Lighthouse and the Marquette Maritime Museum in Michigan. As always, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine